Welcome to another episode of Chomping After Dark. Today, we have gathered here to discuss, yes, more Final Fantasy VII Remake. But this time, we're not going to be breaking down the story. This time, we're going to talk about some major differences between the original and the remake. Where last episode, we kept it to strictly the story of the remake and comparing that to the original... This podcast, we are going to be talking about everything. The whole original is free and fair game here. Same with the remake. So, if you don't want to be spoiled on the remake or the original, please come back when you've finished the original or you have finished the remake. Because we will be spoiling everything here. Uh, This podcast is going to be a little bit different. I'm not going to be reading a story script that i have prepared actually this time it's going to be a little bit more freelance in that i'm going to throw it to the guys they're going to start coming with topics and it will just be like a normal conversation between the four of us and we will record that and hopefully you guys will like it so let's get to some intros here um first i have the man who has uh stood by my side and defended this game between the four of us uh, I have Mr. Rich Meister. Uh, it's good to be here and to be on the right side of history. Thank you. Thank you. The history books will note that Rich was on the right side of history. And it's good to have you here, my friend, because uh, so it's always good to have you here. You know, I was going to say some reason, but now it's always good to have you We here. all need one, right? It's just good. Good times. Nah, we don't need We don't need a reason. You're just here. And we're happy to have you here, man. Next, we have a guy kind of standing behind us, but standing kind of with us. Like he's kind of straddling. He doesn't. He doesn't know what he's doing right now. Out of the blast um, radius, and he's figuring it out. Just <laughs> he's figuring it out. Just wrong, like probably. <laughs> he wants to be able to move to the other side real quick. <laughs> no, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. He's trying to figure it out, just probably like a lot of you are trying to figure it out. We have Mr. Joshua Fowler here. Josh, how you doing today, buddy? I am good. How are you guys? Doing well, man. Doing well. All right. Um, All right. Doing well. Tiny bit parched, but that has nothing to do with this. I'm excited to talk about the differences here, because I felt like the last episode we did, especially you guys, but myself too, I just felt like... We just scratched the surface on what we actually truly wanted to talk about. So I'm excited for this episode. I'm excited to see uh, at least five of your head shakes in this episode. Sounds like sounds like a reasonable estimate. That'll be good yeah. for the intro. Yeah, I think so. And last but not least, we have a wonderful gentleman who is... Uh, I don't know what happened. Uh, maybe he was... Uh, exposed to too much Mako energy as a child, and uh, it has just sent his brain circuitry haywire, but he can recover. I believe in him. We have Mr. Morgan Barnes here. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Happy to be here. 
Um, you know, it is possible, like I've always wondered what the cause of this tiny shriveled penis was, and perhaps it was the Mako that uh that did the damage. Um Damn also, Shinra. <laughs> I I mean really it's and that's why I love Jessie so much, you know. She 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 gets Elaborate she, gets, <laughs> she she really gets turned on by guys that are fucked over by Shinra. So that's why me and her get along so well. Like her dad. Um, you know, I <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, so she loves her dad. Didn't even think that, about that's that. Where wow. the deep, ha ha, Jesse loves her dad. That, well, that's where it comes from, you know, the daddy issues. That's how it starts for all of us, really. Your small penis comes from her dad? Uh, so she well, wasn't sister? using it anymore. My, technically, my dad. Thank you, dad, for the genetics, you asshole. Um... <laughs> There you have it. We're uh, this start of the podcast, just really getting in those jabs at Morgan's dad. That, you know, all of our problems. Who is Jesse's dad? To our dads. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, briefly, I did play a lot of the original Final Fantasy VII last night, and it's dusk here, so I feel a little dirty because it's not really after dark. So I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling a little frisky. Uh, it's really chomping during dusk right now for me. Okay. So we'll see what happens. We're not chomping wow. at midnight yet. We're chomping at like 7 p.m. is what you're saying. Yeah, in Montana, it's uh, much earlier. So, Well, you know, you've shattered the illusion now. You could have lied to the good folks. Uh-huh. Well, you know, I'm bringing it. It's a theater of the mind. Some of us are chomping after dark. Shay is definitely not yeah. chomping after dark. <laughs> I mean, this is one of the few times where we talked about how, like, some of the majesty of chomping after dark is normally this podcast is recorded after oh, we've done true. like another three hour podcast. And just cause of little digs, we kind of all want to kill each other a little bit already. I, I was going to um, say we're, we're coming in. The fresh. darkness is actually in our mind. The darkness is within us. And that's the theater. Of that's the mind. Where the, yeah, exactly. And brings us back full circle, but all right. So let's get started. Let's start I think there's no better place to start than near the beginning of the game. Um, I'm not going to talk too negatively about it today. I think I said a lot of my thoughts last um, Chomping After Dark episode, and I've I've made it abundantly clear how I felt on uh, the Chompcast episodes. But I think the first major, major difference that I really noticed was after you um, after you bomb the the first macro reactor in the game that you actually you were walking through the streets and you actually get to see the the repercussions of what you've done you you're walking through the street and you're hearing all these npcs freaking out saying where is my baby i don't have enough food what's going to happen to us just all this bad stuff all or all these bad things are happening to them like at once and basically they don't know how to handle it. And I mentioned it to you guys that I really, really enjoyed that because I felt like the original just didn't manage to capture, um, didn't manage to capture exactly the, what you were supposed to feel. And I think that was a big limitations due to tech, but also I feel, I felt like, they kind of glossed over it a little bit. Um, and I think that was, for me, that was like the first major departure that I really noticed. Um, I mean, was that the first major one that you guys noticed or was it 
something before that or something after that that really caught your eye and any one of you feel free to jump in uh i think that that i agree with you shay on that whole change being really impactful and i think important um sort of like you said they start almost in the same sort of area the original did where you jump out of this escape route they had planned but then instead of like cut to we're back at um seventh heaven you kind of have to walk through that sort of industrial business sector of the upper plates uh to get to the train station kind of see everything that's going on and one thing that really stuck with me um is actually when you're you're making your way through at one point cloud has to go uh across all these rooftops and you're walking through the rooftops and there's like kids young people old people um like all kind of like gathered up on the roof like listening to radios and stuff and watching the fire and granted i was a kid at the time when it happened but as someone who was living in new york uh during 9-11 like that's very much what was happening and i think they kind of like captured how a tragedy like brings a community out like that in a way that just it felt real yeah yeah and i i you know you're you're kind of touching upon no you are directly touching on a point i feel like because this game came out when it did it's kind of in a way beneficial for now because granted this i don't think this was their point of making the scene the way it is but it has direct impact for now because of what we're going through um in the world and i I know that that you know there's like a vocal minority of people who are kind of going against the grain of things with what's currently happening but i think you have the large majority who are supporting each other trying to figure out what's going on and so that that scene is actually i i think that's part of the reason why it's impacted me and probably you so much is that um it has so much relevancy to right now and basically when any major tragedy along those lines ever happens yeah and it uh i kind of notice this a lot more actually i'm doing my hard mode run right now um and i'm taking it a little bit slow with that i'm a few chapters in but when i got through that point when i was doing my second playthrough on hard mode like i kind of like strolled a little bit more and took a little bit more time to notice stuff like that and I'm, i'm just noticing the quality and like that sort of environmental storytelling that i think they did a really good job with in spots like that Mm-hmm. yeah i'd agree with you i'd agree with you josh i i noticed before rich um started talking about it you were looking at um saying something as well what what was the first thing that really stuck out for you that was a major difference um i mean the first thing i oddly enough was like the, the intro is very very similar um but it doesn't start in like the kind of that star field that that you you just sit in like you're not even in the world for a long time at the very beginning of the game and like it it's been forever since i played this but i even like i remember that still was like just how slowly paced the intro was um like before it throws you right into you know the the bombing run um which i thought was an interesting choice in the original um cuz it's it is a it's a fairly fast paced intro as far as um rpgs go but like the the contrast was really really there originally trying to kind of give you more of a sense of just the scale um 
And I feel like they did a whole lot better job kind of getting you to know the city in this one. Um, but not as much, like, think about the world in general. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I definitely feel the human element of, like, all the actions a lot better in this one. Um, but something that I've not gotten as much, oddly enough, is, like, Avalanche are eco-terrorists. They're supposed to be saving the planet, and it doesn't feel like there's as much emphasis on this in the remake. Uh, I mean, obviously, Barrett still has a lot of the lines about it, but that doesn't seem to be, like, the major driving force behind everything um, as much. Yeah, I kind of noticed that because um, Morgan, like he said, he was streaming this the intro bit yesterday and he only played for two hours and just in those few hours that he was playing as I was watching him, cause I had forgotten about this Barrett, you know, he gets on his soapbox a lot in the remake, but it feels like a lot of times when he gets on his soapbox, he's either saying the same one thing or he's just getting angry. And he's just lashing out. Whereas in the original, it felt like a lot more, he was more focused on, this is why we're doing this. This is the focus here. This is what we're going for. Um, And it it was prominent in what their motivation was. And also kind of to speak on what you're saying earlier is interesting is like Morgan had obviously said this and he can attest to this more is, how like just the speed of how quickly the original gets you through Midgar was like, it was night and day. Cause I legitimately forgot how quickly you go through that intro bit. About four hours. Yeah. yeah. It's like 10 times faster. Yeah. yeah it's, yeah. it's, I feel like, well, there's a couple things. <laughs> I, I feel like the remake uh, in the original game, there is a, a scene after that where Barrett gets on a train and engages in, in physical violence with a passenger, and I thought the remake did an incredible job of also bringing that back uh, in a modern sense as well. So. He left a bad Yelp review. <laughs> yeah, in the remake. Uh, does, that was just a call, fun callback, too. I was joking with Shay last night because we were watching it, and it was a, it was a fun callback to this really funny fight. If you should, I forget the episode number, but if you hear this and you want to hear the fight, you should go listen to it, uh, unless Josh had That really helped. You can hear mm-hmm. the beginning of the fight, What the, the oh, little bits take... that were genuine, oh. which is um, still like five minutes of it. But yeah, so I mean, you know, maybe I was on some there. But no, I think they did a really, uh, they did a good job with the the intro because it's pretty much a direct homage to the classic game, and that you know it felt a lot more like a remake than a reimagining at that point. So I, I definitely enjoyed. You know, I might not have been affected by the stuff afterward as much as you guys was, but like the intro mission stuff, I thought was pretty much about as well as you could hope to do it. Um, so that was that was really prominent. That was the demo we played. So I was pretty pretty high on it at that point actually after going through the demo i i was like this is pretty much perfect it was just that last scene in the demo where they showed shinra like kind of adding their extra firepower to that mako reactor that i remember thinking when we talked about it on the podcast i was like oh, I, th- I think they're gonna take some liberties here um uh, i i kind of like that if i could just jump in there real quick like because i think we talked about this at the time even 
uh and like that that's a notable difference i suppose is uh shinra kind of you know overselling the explosion for the sake of pinning avalanche because they do you know get to that point the remake just kind of makes them into mustache twirling villains much earlier on yeah you don't even see heidegger for a while in the when i played last night i played another hour or so afterwards I ended up, but yeah, it's amazing how fast you get to those sections. And and for me, honestly, I think this is, it's strange. I think we'll do this podcast hopefully for a long time. I don't think we'll ever have this discussion again because I don't think you'll ever see a company that is both dealing with something as revered to this and, and kind of up their own ass as Square is, no offense, that they want to stretch four hours of a game into a 40 to 50 hour experience and that's not i'm not trying to just throw shade on it i didn't enjoy it but i uh i don't think we'll ever see this again i don't think we'll ever see a company go i don't think kojima will come out yo i'm gonna remake the first two hours of metal gear for 30 hours oh. it's just it, it won't happen I, I can't think of another game where it would work but to be quite honest with you like go back a couple years and ask me i wouldn't i wouldn't tell you necessarily that this was a good idea but i do like how it turned out yeah, and one thing I would want to say is I, I agree with Morgan. The reason why I agree is because I felt like in the original, it did power through that introduction area so much. Like Midgar, you like you blink and it's gone. It's such a minute part of the game, but I think there was a lot of intrigue there that they just didn't explore. Whereas when you go to the other areas, you feel like for the most part, not entirely, that you get plenty of time there, you learn everything you want to learn about there. But in terms of scale, Midgar was so much bigger than all these other places with the exception of maybe Gold Saucer. And so when you go to these other places, you really, like, you get the sense of scale. You're like, okay, I think I've explored everything I want to explore here. But Midgar, you never felt like that. You felt like, man, like... The city is so huge, but I'm seeing there's like, so much you still haven't seen. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I think that's mm-hmm. why this game focused so much on that and not just Midgar itself, but like everything that happens in Midgar. It feels like you get launched into the middle of this avalanche campaign. Well, you get just like you understand their mission statement, but you don't really understand who they are. And I think that's a lot of what this game tried to work on. And Obviously, and we'll end up talking about it a little bit later, but the members of Avalanche, and especially Barrett's faction, which were completely glossed over in the original, but the remake, you get plenty of time with them. And so I agree with Morgan in that I don't think we will see another game focus on four hours of one part of the original quite like that again. So I think I think I think this was also kind of like a testing ground for them as well. Like they put out this this remake. They knew that a lot of the fans would like it. They are trying things that, you know, let's see what works, what doesn't work. And in theory, I would like to think in in an ideal utopian society that they come back with the second one and they just completely blow us out of the water again by fixing a lot of the small issues that this remake had which it did have and i'm sure we're going to get into a little bit later on but i'm just hopeful for the next one but yeah i agree with you morgan i don't think we will see something quite at that length again 
but yeah, it's 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 interesting. But now that we know it's not a remake and it's more of a reimagining, it's kind of like, oh well, that's that's why they were doing it because fuck only knows what they're going to do at this point. I wonder if because of how it ends too, if that's um, well, we can get to that later. But I was going to say, I last night I did notice uh, that there was some interesting stuff toward toward the beginning as far as like you were saying how quickly you go through those areas and like trying to get inside the design philosophy of how they were going to flesh that out because some of those areas there were random battles and you could get into two or three battles but you could go through that area and it was two or three screens long 10 minutes like right before i turned it off last night i had just gone through the sewer um after which is a whole dungeon is much quicker it's literally like I could not believe even my memories were like wrong. I couldn't believe it was that that fast. I was like, wow. And that's again, that's what's so strange about this is if you want the whole larger story, it's going to feel really frustrating and elongated. But that's not really it doesn't really seem like that's what they're even aiming for. And you wouldn't really know that until you get to the end of the last chunk of this game anyway, that they're really kind of wanting to just break off and do their own thing. Um, I think for all of us, it was kind of confusing when we thought it was going to be a remake, maybe that it was just going to kind of fill in some of that extra stuff. And I think that's probably what i was more on board for but it's really more of a like we were talking about a reimagining and so because of that you sort of have to throw i almost it's almost kind of strange to me that they called it a remake because i feel that implies things that are i think it still is even based off what namora said like reimagining in the lightest sense because and, and like you said we'll get into it later but when it does end regardless of the circumstances of it the party is still on the same path they were at at that point maybe a little bit more focused, but they're pursuing the same target. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can agree with that because I, I remember the original, when you leave Midgar, you're kind of like, all right, what's the main trajectory here? Like I know Sephiroth's bad, but and it's, it's yeah. fine. It's, Sephiroth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In the original, once you're out of Midgar, it feels like your goal is, Oh, we got to get out of Midgar. Like everybody wants to kill us there. Whereas in the remake, you're out of Midgar because you have to go save the world already. Like, and, you know, there's yeah. hints of that in the original, but it was much more, no, we got to get out of Dodge. We um, we can't stay here, and so we're going to follow Sephiroth's murder trail. Yeah. It was just a bunch of people going, hey, there's a lot of blood over here. And then one guy, like, having a picnic is like, man in a black cloak came through. Asked him where he was headed, and he told me to eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much yeah. it yeah. yeah yeah and it's interesting that that happens because that kind of leads me to the next major point that um is obviously a very very big difference is when you meet Aerith for the first time you meet the whispers and this is where i said i wasn't going to talk too negatively about them um because i've already shared my thoughts and feelings on those largely but you see them, and that's kind of like where the thread starts getting woven that um that there's a, there's yeah. something much bigger at play here than what Avalanche is trying to do, and that might be in effect what kind of hampered um what Josh was talking about earlier about um Barrett's laser focus on his eco terrorism and making sure that Mako is um Mm-hmm. not being used gratuitously um not to say that it wasn't focused in the remake just like josh is saying i felt like there's that clear purpose 
in the original and I understood it a lot better with this remake, which it kind of gets yeah muddy down a little bit. And I think part of that is that introduction to Sephiroth and the whispers much earlier on also because it is a 40 hour game. So it's hard to kind of like keep that laser focus for 40 straight hours. But yeah, that's, I think this is the next major shift or change in the story. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds, that sounds about right. Cause I mean, like when we were first playing through it, it like, I still thought that that was something to do with just the life stream. The life stream, yeah. Because we were both in the same for whatever reason, and they don't explain this. And as far as we know, the whispers are dead at the end of the game, so they never will. At the beginning of the game, only Aerith can see the whispers, and that's never mentioned before. You know, after that point, it's just yeah, that seems. I think it's supposed to be uh, like they're protecting. Like that—that's the part that confuses me most. Is it that they're protecting her fate? Like she is, you know, supposed to. We're spoiling this. What do I fucking care? That she <laughs> is supposed to die, so they're just hanging around waiting for her to die. I don't even know. I thought maybe because she was an ancient, it had something to do with her. Th- that being was my able to see initial more. thought. Yeah, was, which is kind of. But what that I was when was I the thought life stream. Which I mean, it still could be something to do with the life stream, but like, it could still I... be that. Like, could, like that was my thought at the end of the day. Was like, are these spirits, these whispers, people who, for whatever reason, can't return to the planet? Yeah, yeah. Like, I still don't know what they are. Like, as far as like, actually are just, um, they're dementors. Yeah, they they seem to be nothing that has been, yeah, like, even remotely Potter, mentioned yeah, no, in any it. other part in the lore <laughs> before this point. So. Yeah. <laughs> just I, the nonchalance of the way you said that morgan was amazing and that is a pr- truly underappreciated joke just the way you said that was perfect they they, <sighs> they defend azkaban i've seen it <laughs> the the interesting i forgot in the original that you do actually encounter Aerith uh original for the first time yeah. i didn't know that um it's much brief you, more of a brief moment but you do encounter her in the uh square there yeah, yeah, and I do think it's comical to me that in a in a silly video game sense that you end up falling what appears to be hundreds and hundreds of feet through a giant church to land on what appears to be a tiny patch of flowers that somehow <laughs> prevented yeah, you from. It seems well, much less <laughs> lethal when he looked like a little cuddly stuffed animal. Well, you break the uh, you break the ceiling first. So first, the, yeah, the, so, the church's mm-hmm. ceiling breaks your fall. So um, yeah, so the first hundred feet to the church's ceiling, I'm sh- yeah, that must have been a cozy. Well, fall. yeah, his spine <laughs> broke his fall. Let's not forget the remake actually tries to make that a little less ridiculous. Um, he does manage to catch on to part of the plate with his grappling hook as he's falling, and then it snaps. Oh yeah, they're trying to like. <laughs> so he stops but, the uh, fall about halfway, then yeah. the line snaps and he falls further. I, I like. But they're yeah, magic li- flowers. They're magic mm, yeah. flowers. They're magic trampoline pillow flowers. Well, I like the idea that maybe something else happened that um, in the process that we're unaware of because you know Aerith was involved. In, well, he fell into Final healer. Fantasy Tactics. Didn't you play that game? Uh, <laughs> I did play that game. Did you get Cloud in oh. it? Maybe did not, a whisper no. saved him. <gasps> oh, I don't think so. I didn't see any of them to break the his fall. Those, well, maybe this is the one time that they let the whispers um, not be seen, but just felt. I think. I think. 
They, they knew he'd be things... fine based off of the first game. <laughs> they played the original. Yeah, they played the original. I... Like, he's fine. He didn't even have the grappling hook. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do enjoy generally in games when they are can be a little more mysterious now it's a little it's a little at times can feel unfair because if you if you go back to the remake or you go back to the original game you can always say well look these are all the things they messed up in a remake those idiots uh which i will do but um it, it can be a little unfair sometimes but i i did notice playing it um that things were kind of creepy and and or at least strange in ways that were interesting by the way it was directed like when you first run to Aerith, um reno just kind of walks into the church slowly while you're still talking to her he just kind of walks in there and you're talking to her and he just stands there for a while and you're like what the fuck is this guy's deal he's just kind of watching us and then she's and then she's like hey dude you know be my bodyguard and like i just thought they did a, a more interesting job of that scene granted the whole pushing barrels on guards was pretty cheesy after that, um, but and then there was like there's Kevin a scene McAllister where... is thwarting the two <laughs> yeah, the wet yeah, bandits. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they didn't even do that in the in the remake though. You just like you're like jumping on you like climb across. Here's those. really hoping that the next part of the remake continues my favorite Turks trend of whenever you fight them, once you do enough damage, they just check their watches and then leave battle. They're like, yeah. shit, we got that thing at three. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Just what the fuck's going on? And there, there was a funny, there's a weird scene where it's like, oh, I don't get paid overtime. This is over. Reno, we're <laughs> off the clock. Yep. <laughs> there's a funny scene where Tifa, like when she first shows up in the original game in the little cart, like just shortly thereafter when you're with Aerith. And um, by the way, that place, it's sometimes games can evoke things in, and I don't even know if sometimes it's by accident. But that place, that playground or whatever that Aerith and Cloud are on, there, mm-hmm. it's so weird looking. Like there's so, and not even what do you mean? that, but like behind them, there's like these giant steel like doors. It's it's it feels like a set. It feels well, like a movie set or something. It feels it's weird. like a Soviet playground, which I think they managed to get across. Like it looks like a brutalist playground playground but also yeah. they uh-huh. like managed to slam like Moogle designs into it because Final yeah, Fantasy. Like, yeah. yeah, like it's it, it is bizarre. Like you'll you'll have to go find some of this, but like a lot of the Soviet era construction has this just like why the fuck is it that large and all concrete sort of a vibe to it. Um And then that's, later on you get that bombed out. Yeah, look and I at think it, I think they were going the for that. Thing, yeah. I think they were trying to get that whole Soviet I'm, block feel I'm to it. Willing, I think so too. I'm I'm almost willing to bet they were because I told um morgan and josh this rich you weren't quite with us at this time but i went to okinawa almost two years ago and i remember walking around through naha and like i I was going to uh excuse me uh shurijo which is the castle in okinawa that unfortunately burned down largely last year and i remember i was walking through the streets and i I just felt like this. it was a nice tropical day. There was clouds in the sky and nice, cool breeze. And I was like, this looks like or reminds me of like Bised or Kilika from Final Fantasy X. Like it feels like it was literally lifted and put into this game. So I know for a fact that they yeah. um, what they do is they take a lot of locations and they will basically integrate them into their games. So I would not be surprised if they took Russian architecture or a Russian location, general location. Especially for they, Midgar. 
Yes. It's especially yeah, because it feels old... like a very so I don't want to say socialist, but it kind of does feel like a very... Yeah, there you go. That's totalitarian. Yeah, that's probably what I'm looking for. More along those lines. It just feels very, very, yeah, yeah. very sterile. Uh, yeah, it's, and it's I think that's industrial, like, sleek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, I could be over reading too much into it, but like, I don't think most of the slums you're seeing are basically just, you know, kind of barely holding together. Um, you know, corrugated steel type shacks and stuff. And then that playground is between zones. It's like, it's along the wall. It seems like something that was actually built for them. And so it, it's really got like, I, I remember that playground from the original, like just going back. That was an amazing time. Just going back there. Aren't in, you glad you can finally remake? go down yep. the slide? Yes. Now that you can finally go down the slide, but yeah, like it does. It feels very stark and very just um imposing. Like it's supposed to be a playground, but it's it's not the sort of place that you can actually imagine any children. It does not evoke yeah, joy. Yeah, it's yeah. and well the pre render the way pre render backgrounds work back then too just adds this extra like creepiness to it at the time. But mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's it is Super memorable. But what I was getting to was just that um, when Tifa comes out on that little cart in the original, as far as, like, lending to more, like, mystery and stuff, yeah. they literally just kind of see her drive off, and they're like, what the fuck? Was that Tifa in that yeah, cart? Cloud doesn't, like, yeah. go after her the way he does yeah, in the he's remake. Not, there's, like, that weird scene in the remake where he's, like, running behind the cart, like, hey, what you doing? He, and she's he, like, oh, he jumps on the back. He literally jumps on the back of <laughs> yeah. it, yeah. which I, I think makes more sense in a way, because... It, it seems weird in the original, and I'll say, just for the frame of reference, Morgan, I replayed the first few hours recently. I'm just doing a replay in my spare time. Uh-huh. I am, uh, I'm in Cosmo Canyon, if you want a sense of where I'm at. Oh, uh, okay. But yeah, like, I, I always thought it was weird, and especially replaying it now, that, like, with no sense of communication, like, granted, he has a pretty good idea, but Cloud and Aerith just see a thing... They go off Eris' inkling of, like, well, Tifa was in this cart, so she must be going to do this thing. And they're like, we'll pursue that lead with every fiber of our being. Yeah, I got the—so you might be right, but I got the impression that they just were, like, they saw her, and they were like, what the fuck? Why is Tifa in the back of that cart? But it's—I know what you mean. It's it's a little more—I think both versions are a little weird. Like, one seems a little too vague, and one seems a little too, like, okay, I'll let you take off. If you can take care of yourself, Tifa, go hang out with the rapist guy. It's just like— Alright, well, whatever. Well, also, <laughs> Cloud has no sense of who the fuck Don Carneo is. And then he right. goes back I mean, like, and explains that to Aerith, and she's like, yeah, we're not fucking leaving her there. Right. You kind of get the impression that a lot of people don't truly know what Don Corneo does, or if they know, it's very, very hush-hush. Like, they just don't talk about what he does, you know? So, it... I felt like the remake did a better job of that, but I also think probably part of it was to show off Tifa's dress as well because for let's, sure let's be honest it's fan service we know we know yeah but, they want the melons yeah. <laughs> speaking of melons um let's talk about avalanche a little bit uh jesse biggs and wedge um the, re- the transition because jesse and we know morgan loves jesse but um yeah i i really wanted to talk about them because obviously it's a i think it's a great addition that 
Josh said those half dozen melons. And I was I was thinking in my head, I wanted to type this, but I, I realized I'm hosting the podcast. I wanted to mm-hmm. type in four of them are wedges. Um, but anyways, yep. uh, no, no I, right. I, I really liked in the remake that they that they gave them some screen time and they gave them an actual personality. Because in the original games, you know Barrett's, Tifa's, and Cloud's personality immediately. The second you get off the train and they start talking, you know exactly who those three characters are going to be at that point in time. With Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse, they kind of just felt like they were there. They were very much secondary foil characters, getting things moving, getting things progressing, and they never really got to develop a personality. So when you're heading up the tower to stop Reno from dropping the plate, you don't feel the emotional impact when those three die. But in this one... They're basically already dead by the time you get there. Right, Like, you show back up, and with the exception of Wedge, who falls and has a little bit of dialogue, you basically encounter... Biggs and Jesse dead or dying on your way up the pillar. Right, exactly. Um, but in this one, the second you hop off the train, Jesse, Biggs, and Wedge immediately have personalities. You're bantering with them as you're making your way into the Mako reactor. Um, obviously, you have little side uh, missions or part of the story that you're doing with them. And one of... Uh, um. One of the best wedge and cloud interactions ever happens when they are skydiving or parachuting. Sorry, parachuting out of uh, uh, that location they were at. And you get to meet Jesse's family. You get a little bit of backstory there. Um, I felt like Biggs was a little bit lacking, but I also feel like probably Biggs was the least favorite of the three. But that being said, I just. He was like I, the straight man of the crew. He yeah. was. And, no, I thought and he was I just, version, yeah. better than two and a half men. <laughs> I, I didn't like Jesus. when they replaced him with Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> yeah, me neither. But no, I just I really liked that they went into more about not just those three, but especially those three, um, but just Avalanche in general. Like especially um, when you have that sequence where uh, another av- Avalanche faction comes and rescues Barrett, or when you find out Domino Mayor Domino is the inside man of Avalanche in Shinra headquarters. I just really liked how they handled Avalanche. I, I do want to talk more. about uh, that, that Avalanche bit actually, uh, because that has like semi big ramifications going forward. Um, the idea that Avalanche is a larger entity still exists uh, at this point and is still active. Um, because in the original, you find out that Avalanche was a bigger organization much, much later on. Um, and it's pretty much just talked about that they've been gone for a long time. Whereas uh, during that mission with Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse that you were talking about, um, when you see Jesse's family and all that, you find out from the three of them that, yeah, Avalanche is this bigger organization. It appears that they're funded by Wutai. Um and Barrett's sect is sort of cut off from the information flow because they're considered too extreme. Hmm. Yeah, that's that was yeah, that's what I was understanding as well. I was kind of digging into it with some um, different articles and podcasts as well, which is interesting because well, kind of delving back to what you're saying, Shay, that I'm with you. Obviously, I don't need to regurgitate that because I, I felt the same way with how they handled the crew. Jesse Biggs and Wedge and, and Avalanche, uh, but again, it was a little frustrating for me 
when the at, at the moment of emotion the the whispers showed up again and I was just kind of like in this case they were just sort of watching Jesse but they they really wanted you to know that they were there and they were not going to intervene and it was just it was just one of those things where I was like I guess if I could, if you could somehow get over the whispers a lot of this stuff would probably be a lot less I think I did because uh, I didn't even remember that they were in that scene it was strange yeah, that they, they were still hanging around at that point like that was one of the changes where in the original cloud is just much more on board right away with everything else that avalanche is doing. Um, whereas in this one, he's yeah. just like, no, I'm going to go try to make money. He's doing some other shit. And that just kind of falls through. And then he gets caught up in yeah. all of this. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like the whispers end up, you know, breaking Jesse's leg or whatever the hell they're, you know, twisting your ankle, whatever. Which is which weird, is how yeah. Cloud ends up doing that stuff, but for they some reason they're, on the they're still hanging around later on during the yeah. tower thing, and you're like, "What? Why are you guys still here? Didn't you? Didn't you already well, get me on this mission? What? What? What's going on? Are, well, do they just point, show up when people are in peril, or are they there all the time? It doesn't. Well, really, it's it, about preserving the timeline, is my understanding, and them being there prior, them being at the tower is weird. I'll agree with that at least. I think. I was under the impression that the whole way they show up at the train station when you get to the graveyard, almost to like imply that we need to buy more time because if Cloud gets to the tower too soon, then some of these people might survive. But yeah, even I, that's like vague. Yeah, it's left vague, but like for me, I didn't take any issue with it because I took it as I mean, they're already at seventh heaven. It's happening really it's happening pretty close to that general area, right? Like it's adjacent to mm-hmm. that area. So Yeah. They they hear something bad is happening. Um Barrett obviously I, I felt like if, if anything they were at seventh heaven, they somehow got wind of what was gonna happen and then Barrett's like, Let's go motherfuckers, let's take care of this and that's how they end up at the tower. Like for me, yeah. that's that's the mental well, I, think, I thought you were talking about the whispers. Like, why were the whispers there? Oh, okay, okay. I, I'm sorry. I thought he was talking about Avalanche. My my apologies. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. They, so I've already, the only I've already reason... griped about this. I, wanna, I don't want to gripe yeah. about it anymore. I just <laughs> I don't, I don't understand why The only reason I can everywhere. see them being there as much as they are is just not any actual story reason, but just because they need to increase their presence. So whenever they show up as, you know, you know, hundreds of thousands of them, covering the entire Shinra building that it's not just scale. It doesn't seem out of nowhere. Completely out of nowhere. So maybe they're just trying to ramp it up yeah. at that point, yeah. but it didn't it make sense for, from... to, to, for it to be ramped up there. Like at the very end, it makes sense why there's that well, many they, they there, were, but like yeah. they were going to die anyway. Most, so. most of the ramping up along the way didn't seem like an it's... actual ex- escalation yet, which was kind of the strange part. I, I think it's context, yeah. Josh, for like, again, I... This doesn't apply to you guys, but I think in an effort to maybe make it very understandable for people, they wanted to say, like, hey, look, they're here. They're just not interfering because these people are supposed to die. You know, it's kind of like a yeah, just to make sure people understand their purpose very clearly. Um, And yeah. yeah, And then also, like you said, so they're not just like coming out of nowhere. But yeah, I I agree with you, Shay. I don't I don't want to harp on them forever. I was just it was just one of those things. Right. When they showed up, I was like, okay, why are they standing behind her? She's throwing this. Like, it was just they're just they're just there all the time. And you have to. 
Do you have to know immediately? It's kind of like if you're playing King. It's kind of like you go to play Kingdom Hearts and you love Final Fantasy. Well, but I would you never hate, do that. But you, but you hate Donald Duck, and you're like, if well, you need to accept right from the beginning that fucking Donald, Donald Duck will there be in those cutscenes. Yeah, you just <laughs> he's gonna be there the whole fucking time. You just described me. You know, I really I yeah. love Final Fantasy, but I fucking hate Donald Duck. <laughs> That's fair. And I, I want to come back to goofy, Jesse Biggs right. and Wedge yeah, I love here in a minute. I want to come back to those three here in a minute because I think there's more to be said there, obviously. But while we're on the topic of the whispers, one thing I do want to say um, that I don't think I articulated enough in the past is for the amount of times that they show up, I still don't fully understand what the hell is going on. Because uh, there's a point in there where, if you guys remember, in 7th Heaven, or not 7th Heaven, Sector 7, when you're doing some of the side missions, and you're staying in that little dingy apartment, and you have some guy mm-hmm. next to you, like, moaning and being fucking yeah. weird. And then yeah, you go in part. there, and then he has a number on his arm. And you're like, this has something to do with the whispers or Satra. You don't know. Don't you don't know what ex- the fuck is going You don't know what's going on. organization from Kingdom Hearts? Th- no, that's not that But then... <laughs> But then, when you're in Shinra Tower, and you're quote-unquote fighting Sephiroth up there, when you guys kind of handle it, another one of those hooded figures with a number tatted on his arm just collapses. And you're like, what the, f- what, what the fuck are these, and what do that, these have to do with Whispers? That has nothing to do with the Whispers. That's just the all. story of the game. Yeah, um, they're in the original game. It's just they're more off the beaten path at that point. I think uh, when you're in Sector Five with Aerith, well, yeah, they don't show up in until one later. Of those tunnels. Um, well, there's well, one like, in the tunnel in yeah, Sector Five. That well, they don't show up in the main sections like after you beat them. Yeah, yeah. But that's what they are. Like remember when we were talking about forever ago when we were talking about spoilers for whatever and. and in my whole moment that Sephiroth is not actually in the game. Yeah. Because it's all clones, which again, because of other things, maybe it's actually Sephiroth controlling them through genetic memories or whatever else. But like, still, <sighs> Sephiroth say, is, but yeah. is dead. Um, there are all these clones, which is why they have the different numbers stamped on them um, that are constantly um, talking about reunion and trying to get back to Genova oh, because those are all right. Fuck. the people kind of infected yeah. with Genova's cells. Um, some of whom, right. some of whom uh, end up being Sephiroth and some of whom end up being the different Genovas you fight through the game. Uh, just depending that makes on more sense now. And that's um, why you go into the Shinra mm-hmm. underground also, lab. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Now. Also, I think that's why the whispers show up during that room, the hotel scene, because number what was which was that was number three i believe it was three in the hotel with you it's three or five all right but either way i need to look it up i may be wrong i was thinking it was two i thought it was i thought it was three because in the original game uh the guy you can kind of find in sector five who's just like lapsed over in the in the tunnel like and you're like oh there's some drunk guy here he's got a number three tattooed on his arm okay all right i thought it was somebody different i think i think in the remake it's it's two but either way i'm pretty sure that's the genova you fight in the tower and he ends up dying there um which is which is why the whispers were there because you needed to kill him later not then yeah um I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be, like at least in the style of the boss, it's very similar to the Genova you fight um, on the boat on your way to Costa del Sol. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a, uh, a little weird. It's, weird. it's just a little weird it because is. the way that those things were kind of all blended together, that weirdly yeah. enough, I didn't it, it remember that from like the they're original. It when they're not. It, yeah. It, it did. Yes. It did. And it was very confusing yeah. for me because I completely yeah, no, forgot about that from the original. fairly confusing. They fleshed that a whole lot out, fleshed that out a whole lot more in advent children and even then they fleshed it out but i think really they just made it it more more confusing um because i got it in the original but then they explained it more and i'm like well maybe i don't fucking got it um they're like here's more genova cells huey dewey and louie yeah they just never fully handle it and i think what they're trying to do is and i get it um this is kind of what morgan was talking about earlier is they're trying to kind of like pace it to where they give you enough but just not too much information and the shinra underground area lab i now i get why that relates to what we're talking about but at the time i was like okay there are clones being made i can't remember what the fuck this has to do with the story but now i understand they were setting the groundwork for those guys which are not related to the whispers and at that point that is a little bit even more convoluted and i just wish that they would have yeah, because your brain's trying to connect them. You're right. Like, oh, and what are the, yeah, yeah. I just don't think that was probably handled the best way, but that makes a lot more sense now. I got it. We can we can move on. It from makes that sense order. to yeah. It makes sense to tee that stuff up for later, but I think it might yeah. have muddled I, and had people drawing connections yes. that aren't actually there. It, yeah. Yes, especially if you don't have the history with the original, because a lot of the threads they introduce earlier make no damn sense if you don't have the context for them already. Because they're not going to be resolved. Yeah, yeah, they're not They're the not only, remotely the, resolved. Like, they don't ever the, even start to get give you hints that it's literally Genova's like doing a, anything other than being carried around by Sephiroth, who maybe not is not Sephiroth. Like, I think the best way they could have handled that is just simply a few lines of dialogue. Even if it seems cheesy and unbelievable, they go in there and Barrett would have been like, what the hell do all these clones mean? And then Tifa would be like, well, we'll, we'll just, have to, we'll just mm-hmm. have to figure that out later. We don't have time right now. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would have been like, cool. I love that's all. I love Tifa taken. going in there. And then the big Tifa... white alien man comes out and goes, this army is for the Republic. And then everybody claps. <laughs> Right. I, I love Tifa was just like, oh, Cloud, he's a nice guy. You just live. I'm just, she was just like, I'm like, what? No, what? there's something fucking very weird about this guy here, Tifa. When, come on. When, when was that? In the remake. She she runs yeah, in like there a, and she after grabs After you're about ready to, to, um, to kill the the one guy there. and Oh, yeah, yeah. You're yeah tra- I was, like, I was, like leave no the junkie alone, about. Cloud. Stop terrorizing yeah, was, the homeless like, man. Jeez. <laughs> like, you've <laughs> never done heroin. Yeah. <laughs> Like Tifa, I know you have he's a, a kind fucking soul, guy alone. He's, fucking... he's got needles sticking out between his toes. Leave him the fuck alone. He's not bothering anybody. <laughs> my la- the my landlord takes twenty dollars off my rent if I go in every couple of days to make sure he has an OD. Yeah. So, so cool if you kill him, how the... am I going to offload all this heroin? <laughs> Think <laughs> about it, Cloud. He's going to be stuck with it. Think about I'm it, using, Cloud. Um, I'm using him to embezzle money. <laughs> Tifa <laughs> just has to do that to survive. I mean. That's a that's a nice side plot right there. I, I there's some yeah. cool stuff in the original in that that connecting area right after where you're going to meet up. Some of this I don't remember. So if this was in the remake, let me know because I'd like to Google and see what what they did. But I was sending picture a uh, picture of this to Shay last night when you first uh, get with Aerith and you're like traveling through right before her house. You go through like those weird slummy areas and there's like this guy living in a tunnel. 
It's like a little That's pipe. That's the guy I was he's just li- talking about. Yeah, he's living in a pipe. Yeah, um, he has the number three tattoo. Oh, I, they didn't meant. Oh, okay, okay. That, yeah, okay. Yeah, I yeah, that's, like, that's like the first about. one of the Genova clones things that Shinner has yeah, been if making. You, if you go oh, up to him, it'll okay. be like, oh, this guy stinks like alcohol or whatever. And you can be like, he has a number three tattooed on his arm. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry to make that connection. You're absolutely yeah. right. Um, but no, I was just talking about the the look of that area was kind of cool. It was like he was living in like a pipe and he had like a, a TV kind of statically blaring behind him. And there was like. Just the look of his room, you could see, like, little cigarette butts on the ground and stuff like that. Like, uh, the item shop in that area, the weapon shop in that area is kind of cool, too. It, um, I just enjoyed, like, kind of, you know, seeing how they... Yeah. Well, that area those... is basically completely redone in the remake, because it's one of your hub areas. Yeah. Um, and it's dressed yeah, is up Is that where little the little bit. kids are running yeah, around? Is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they add a lot to make it bigger, and it's a little less slummy just by the nature of, like, there really weren't a whole lot of people living there in the original, and they kind of made it dirtier and slummier, but yeah. it, it feels more lived in in the remake, and it is gussied up a bit because of that, but it's still a slum. Yeah. yeah. I think just by comparison to Sector 7, it felt... Like, it was barely a slum at all. Um, because of the orphanage and stuff, I think you're 100% right. Like, that kind of gets this cheery air about it. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's just... Wasn't it during the day, too? It was, like, kind of bright um, in the daytime. Well, well they had the sun turned on. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> they, had the one, they had the one on? They had the sun turned on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. Don't you rem- <laughs> like, we can laugh at that all you want, but there's literally a plot point where you turn off the sun to open a door. Yeah. And Barrett's Don't like, are we sure that. we want to do that to all those people? You played the game. You complained uh, about it taking long too long time. to turn the sun off. Oh, the, right. that thing? Oh, right. fuck, yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. Oh, God. Okay, well. <laughs> it must not have taken that long. Me. He forgot about it. Well, how do you, think they, get, how do you think they get light down there, Morgan? <laughs> they can't. There's a big plate. They need to get power. I know, it's the big pizza. I it's a it. big LED yeah, uh, fucking bulb with GE big comes. Damn pizza. Um, General Electric I, comes and he changes himself. Fucking pizza. Mm-hmm. I uh, I just some of those. I just think they did a good. It was just interesting to see how like there's a lot of heart in those in those older games that I wish they would have, you know, rendered some of those areas um, more faithfully. But uh, although comically so in the original, I took a screenshot of this when Cloud and Aerith are sitting on top of the church because of how they had to render it. Um, Cloud and Aerith appear to be half the size of the entire church. <laughs> yeah, even though it's, it is... <laughs> it's jarring. You're you're very right about that. Like it's 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 funny. It's you know yeah. it's like a bag of holding inside that church. Yeah, but there's you know, an awful you know, lot of scale really... stuff like that. Anytime you go, like all yeah, the buildings yeah, are funny. that way. Like you go into you know to seventh heaven, and it's like four times as big on the inside and. Most of the buildings yeah. are like that. But. Was anyone else semi-bummed that you never get to go into Avalanche's secret base underneath the arcade machine? In yes. I was yes. seriously yes. fucking bummed that I never I got like to we go never down talked on about that, that. that was weird. pinball machine. Yeah. yeah, I always go down on pinball machines. Mm-hmm. Th- that was strange. That was really weird, because that, that's one of the things I remember the most about yeah. the well, original. Yeah, that's Absolutely. one of the things I was kind of mentioning, because he's so much more standoffish, and Jesse ends up kind of taking his role that's why the whispers they don't invite him down there yeah yeah um because yeah before he went down there and got the whole plan for what they were bombing next and all the other stuff um and that's basically just you know 
skipped and he ends up filling in at the last moment um yeah it was a it was a weird decision because like you guys are saying that was honestly i didn't mention it but it was one of the things that actually bummed me out the most about the initial like five hours of the game is that like you go in there and it's cool to play darts um that that was fun i think that's a cool addition of a mini game but yeah i just they were trying I to distract you from the fact sequence. that you didn't get to ride the pinball machine down to where you actually right. wanted to be yep yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah it was kind of shit but i mean g- that kind of leads us back into what i wanted to talk l- about a little bit earlier with jesse biggs and wedge is that mm-hmm. the the bit one of the big reveals here is in the original like i said earlier the three of them die at that tower um in the original but in this one wedge survives his fall and he plays a role later in the remake he meets up with domino in the shinra headquarters and he has a role to play there now we don't know if he's alive or dead um because it looks like shinra headquarters fucking goes up in whisper flames or whatever you want to call it um, well, we see whispers literally like usher him out a window, but we we don't know his fate after that. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So we we don't know what happens to him, to Wedge at this point. Uh, Jesse, as far as we know, is dead. But the other big reveal, which means Jesse's fate could still possibly be unknown at this point, is Big seemed to die as Cloud was ascending that tower. It seemed like, for all intents and purposes. Biggs mm-hmm. was gone. Yeah. But the big reveal, yeah. one of the big yeah, reveals makes towards you make the a end of the game. to him as he's on his way out. Yeah. Right. Like he's, one he's of the big reveals is, is that yeah. he is in a bed in the orphanage that Aerith used to help volunteer at, and he seems to be alive and breathing. So in this remake, it seems like at least two of the three core Avalanche members, aside from Barrett and Tifa, are alive. We should keep a tally of, like, all the people that he decides to not kill in this reimagining. Well, <laughs> there we go. Tally Zach. finished. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, potentially. Well, he was alive now. at the end of what we saw there, anyway. Yeah. Right. And that's, the, and that's something we'll get to a little bit later. But what, like, what kind of implications do you guys think that means going forward? Because, like, these three were, like, just fucking dead. They're dead, dead, dead. Uh, by the time the plate fell like before even the plate fell mm-hmm. they were dead um and this one they're alive like I, what possible role could they they have going forward i don't think bigs could even have a major role going forward if anything it would just be like some kind of interesting set dressing if down the road we see him again if he's a part of the assault on midgar or maybe we even see him on the high wind at some point who's to fucking say mm-hmm. um yeah it's more like kind of giving this little beacon to barrett and also in a world where avalanche is a larger entity still exists um i think we could see biggs as like a potential liaison between our party and avalanche proper yeah yeah i think yeah, just... go ahead josh whether or not he has a role later on they were trying to give us way more connections left in midgar at the end of the game because as you move on yeah, Marlene is still there being watched by uh, Aerith's mom. But yeah, like, that's kind of your only Uretra. connection to her the rest of the city. Elmira. <laughs> Urethra. I know it's Elmira. It's Uranus. I know it's Elmira. 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 Anyway, I, my thought is that they could be just setting up 
there are way more named characters, you know, in Midgar on your way out this time. So maybe they're trying to just kind of leave that set up as like you need to keep caring about the city. As yeah, a, you know, a, a, I could I could see that being the case, forward. or like him be. I could see him being a, left alive too to kind of prove the point that you know by killing the whispers that like fate changed fate yeah fate's yeah. changed but if like what you were saying rich that uh one of the developers was basically like it's largely going to stay to the original then what purpose does that all serve and my other big thing there is biggs was cool i actually really enjoyed biggs as a character i i enjoyed that voice of reason i enjoyed that kind of he was just like this cool calm collect guy that just wanted to get along with everybody and i really liked that character um but I think it's fair to say, out of the three, he was probably the least liked out of the three. I think most people I've read or seen have said they really like Wedge or Jesse. Obviously, Morgan really loved Jesse. I really like Chadley. <laughs> More of a Chadley think, guy. Yeah. No, I think you Biggs is the liar. least stand out among them because he actually right. does his job well. Right. <laughs> just, exactly. Well, Jesse, and so those explosives it, are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, it seems just, like, like he does his job, and that's kind of, like, it. I mean, granted, they give you more about him later, but, like, basically, it turns out he'd been supporting a vast, a good, goodly portion of that orphanage's uh, income Yeah, that, yeah. that he's in at the right. end of the game. And then that's kind of just, just hinted at in side stories, you know here and there and um that him and wedge they do say are both from that orphanage mm-hmm. at some point yeah yeah it's just weird it, it felt like if they're gonna resurrect bigs then all of the character development that we got from jesse kind of amounted to nothing and i think this is something where i actually am more on board with morgan um than originally because i think about it now and it's like we took all this time to get to know these three characters and it's been awesome, but then they wanted to turn what was in the original, a love triangle into a love square essentially, because then they added Jesse into the mix and it's like, okay, well, Jesse, no, not a love triangle because one of them's dead. Well, hey, well, well, so for a brief moment in time, really, yeah, there's square. in the, in the remake, we're saying that there is a love square that exists at that point. Right. Because it's like, everybody <laughs> wants to fuck cloud. And they take all this time kind of building up to will they, won't they kind of thing. And then she dies. And then Cloud just kind of seems like not not bothered by it. He's like, all right, well, that fucking sucks. And then he just goes up and then there's no payoff for that whatsoever other than a almost emotional scene, which I still did feel emotional. Um, But then you have Wedge just alive and kicking you have bigs alive and kicking and you're like well what the fuck why are they doing that to jesse now granted we don't know what's going to happen to jesse but it just it felt like a weird decision because I, mean, I, I felt like jesse oh, is the one to die like you because you build that relationship with her and cloud needs to feel some sort of like loss at this point like it helps drive forward that he's now a part of this he's now connected to it and like he actually gives a shit that these people are losing their lives over this well, and he can't kill Aerith, so... Well, also, I mean, fair point to this for us, if we're going to harp on the love square or the love triangle, I would argue, in my opinion, the original never had a love triangle, because Aerith wasn't in love with Cloud, she was just getting kind of horny because he was cosplaying as her boyfriend. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, hey, that, and, for you, that's... that and anybody who really cared anything about, you know, the story there is going to have that date in uh, the Golden Saucer with Barrett. With Barrett, yeah. Yes, okay, that's right. Right. <laughs> Now we have a lot of Pentagon, Josh. I can't I, handle this. I don't, I don't think that... If you guys think that this that it's going to continue, I mean, look, we'll see, and one of a, or one of us is going to have to eat some crow. But if you guys think that I it's told gonna... you I won't do that, I'm an animal rights activist. Stop asking me to do that. Crows are very I'm intelligent. Asking... <laughs> I'm not asking you to kill it; just eat it so it's not wasted. Um, it's grisly meat. I'm not into it. I major in bird law, like... Morgan, and you... I will not allow it. <laughs> Um. Anyways, what I was saying was, uh, you, you know, I don't more? really see if if they're gonna go through these great pains to fuck kind of everything up with the timeline. I don't know why people still seem to think that this is going to adhere strongly to the original story. Because that's I what Namora said, like he, a, no, a week ago. He didn't. He didn't say that. Yeah, I. Yes, I, I don't. He did in an interview. Rich, like send Rich, me the article Rich, right now. Rich, okay, I don't I've care seen, what he said. Morgan, I've seen thing, the article. But like, but yeah. Same with same with Josh. What Josh is saying, I don't care because I don't. Oh no, I agree it. with that. But he, he I don't. He did it. say it though. Yeah. I, I I don't necessarily believe it either. I think he, to a degree at least, he's you know being deceptive. But he did say it. I mean, other if, other if, than the fact that, like I mentioned before, I think they are basically gonna. F- there's there's no reason things would you know change drastically, drastically, drastically. Like it's no. still the same setup for the be... story, but like. There, there's places for it to vary all along the way because in the original, a lot of the choices seemed arbitrary. Like, we're just so going he, here to do a thing so now, because. So, like, I think basically all the re- all the times they could change something because, oh, we're just doing this because, they, they might change something at this point. Yeah, I mean, also, and this is like the main argument for change here, we can talk about how much they're going to change it all we want. But I do believe at the same time, it's still going to adhere to that atypical video game illusion of choice where it's like, sure, stuff's changing and it's going out and out and out and out and out. But then the paths start to branch back in and in and in. And they all end at the same point, mm-hmm. no matter what happens along the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, but wouldn't you be a little disappointed, though, like if you're on board for this more than I am and they and now, like, why would you go through all the trouble of having these whispers and bringing these people back to life and all this stuff if you're going to adhere to a fairly... It seems like a lot of um, bloated nonsense Hoopla. to just stick... Yeah, like, why? when you're? I mean, I wouldn't put it past them because you know how I feel about modern-day Squaresoft. Or, uh, not even Squaresoft. Just Squaresoft Square. hasn't Square, existed in a long Square, time. Squaresoft was the, the company I loved. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I just... It's, who knows what's going to happen, but I, I just don't have any... It doesn't make any sense. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't you be more irritated if they went through all this nonsense with the whispers just to kind of backtrack on it and uh, stick? I don't know that I'd be irritated. I'd be a little bit like, eh, what was really the point in all those changes then? I, I agree with you there, 100%. Like, if you're not going to deviate a little, then what was the point of all of this? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Like, if if they're not doing something interesting with the differences between the two universes... Then why are there two universes? Exactly. Then they should have just... And, like, I I get it. There were some scenes in this, especially in this original portion, that they... You don't want to remake in 2020. Um, Like, you don't want to have 
cloud molested in a hot tub just because well how anymore. else am i supposed to get but, the bikini briefs exactly um <laughs> i like that's such a freaking hard line to toe and we got to be honest here as consumers we're going to hold them to an impossible standard because if they had stuck like because you talked about this in the last chomping after dark josh that a lot of people just wanted a straight remaster i think that would have appeased a lot of people but at the same time they would have been like eh cool like okay i could less to also, talk about right mm-hmm. exactly and with this with this remake uh this reimagining whatever you want to call it they've they've taken a lot of liberties and i think a lot of it has paid off and i think there's a lot of it that could use some touching up on but going forward obviously they've changed some things so if they just streamline it like slowly gradually back to how the original ended obviously it's going to piss a lot of people off it's going to be like why did i endure the dementors in midgar why did i endure alternate universes why did i endure sephiroth not being menacing maniacal and malevolent anymore why like why is he just this watered down version like but at the same time if they change too much then the fans are going to be like, well, that's that's nothing like the original. They it's a really hard like original ground to find. It's well, it's it's no, it's, it's an incredibly okay, difficult line to toe there, and it's it's interesting because they've opened up the world, the 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 ability to do this in this world in this universe, but they have to make sure that it's founded somewhat in the original as well. So it's 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 an interesting dilemma that they've opened themselves up to and they have the ability to make sure it's not a dilemma but it's still a difficult one i i don't i see what you're saying shay and i think you're being very kind i don't necessarily think that it's an easy thing to do i mean just creating video games is incredibly difficult but there's been when you look at something like the resident evil 2 remake where it's like okay we know that we need to update the gameplay and we figured out a way to bring the stuff about that original game over that worked well and it was basically perfect like the the one thing playing this original game that sticks out like a sore thumb is that the combat especially for the first several hours is boring as hell you don't there's no disagree entirely in the in the original oh i'm sorry i totally misread what you were saying oh yeah Um, same 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 you you don't it's and it's just a product it's just a product of the time you don't do anything for the first several mm-hmm. hours, you just smash the X button and attack I and mean, cure whenever. I still like that combat. Like, I still I like know, classic know, turn-based combat. <laughs> it's, yeah. I'm just saying that's the thing that doesn't hold up to our attention spans the most, and they did a great job I with the new combat system, so that's... I don't think that is comparison if, is fair, though, because you're talking about a game that is a short game. Resident Evil is a short game. It has a very simplistic story. doesn't have a lot of threads to tie together. It was not the most beloved game of a generation of consoles and in, of all time. Resident Evil fantastic 2 is a game. But... Resident mm-hmm. Evil 2, I love that game. I think it is a fantastic game. I've come out and said that I think Resident Evil 2 is the best remake or remaster of any game. And honestly, after playing this game... I still feel that way, weirdly enough. I love Final Fantasy VII Remake. I love it. But Resident Evil 2 hit it out of the park, in my opinion. But that's neither yeah, here I nor there. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I, I think 
to try and compare the two is just does a complete disservice to what this game is trying to do. It's trying to take a game that is constantly making it in the top 10 or top 15 games of all time. And that's the truth. And I understand that's painful for some people because they think eight is better or six is better or nine is better. And I respect that. I really do. And I think that's awesome. But seven is considered one of the greatest games of all time. And it's going to be a very long time, if ever, if that game is dethroned. To try and remake that game identically (laughs) is... I don't know if that's going to fly, you know? And to try and reimagine it in the way that they're doing, I think is bold. I do. Because like Josh said, they could have just remastered, put a beautiful, beautiful fresh cone of paint on and just said, have fun. They could have done that. And yeah, people would have been happy, but they're trying new things and no, not everything's working, but it is, in my opinion, it is bold. Um, and I just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a difficult for me. It's a difficult line to, toe but i mean that's that's that ends up being more personal preference and not speaking to the changes so i'm going to bring it back a little bit and try and focus on um some other things one thing that i know that we were trying to go in on but not quite going on is i think very very important is reeve and kate Sith and how that is handled in this game um, I'm going to actually open it up to you guys. I'm not going to preface this at all. Um, I, I just want to simply say I loved how they handled this in the remake. I love that Reeve is a character now. Um, having replayed uh, the, the early hours of the first one, there's a few short uh, dialogues. Uh, namely, there's one as you're entering the Shinra building where it shows Reeve talking with Heidegger and President Shinra where he's sort of aghast when they tell him they don't plan to rebuild Sector 7. That's expanded out into a much larger scene in this. um, That's in the boardroom with Reeve. Uh, And we do see a couple of scenes of him in his office kind of going over paperwork. And I think they just do a much better job of painting this picture that Reeve is sort of like this disenfranchised company man. Like, his faith is shaken. um, And he seems like the only... You get the impression that all these fucking literal mustache twirling monsters work at Shinra. Like, there's a scene where Scarlet is literally using a fucking soldier as a footrest. Um, but Reeve Very seems anime. like he much anime, he, incredibly anime, <laughs> much anime, much good time. Uh, Reeve seems like a somebody who genuinely wants to be doing the best at his job and like making a good life for the people he is a public servant for. Which, you know, obviously to me, and we've talked about this a little, Shay and Josh too, I, I think knowing Reeve's trajectory, which, you know, where you said we're going to spoiler on this, uh, at one point later in the story in Final Fantasy VII, after uh, Kate Sith has joined the party, uh, Cloud sort of gets an inkling discussing with the others that there's a traitor in their midst sending, relaying information to Shinra, and it's revealed that Kate Sith, you know, I, I think we kind of knew Kate Sith was a robot even at that point but that Kate Sith is a robot that is relaying information to Reeve. And I think that reveal will feel so much more impactful um, in a world where we I'm, remember who the fuck Reeve is. Yeah. Yeah, because Reeve in the original does not stand out. Like, yeah, he's the person, like you said, who's aghast at all the horrible things that Shinra is doing, but it... But so is the player. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel like he stands out 
at all uh, in the original. And so, yeah, I do, I do think they did a better job getting you to remember who the hell Reeve even is once that finally has a chance to pay off. So, I mean, with yeah. beyond uh, President Shinra, Heidegger, and like Sang, I'd say he's probably the Shinra officer who gets the most screen time in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's and that's very different from the original because really you see President Shinra, Reno, and Rufus. Those are the like I know you see the other ones, but at that beginning sequence, like the beginning Midgar stuff, you don't really remember any of the others. You remember Reno. Just the boardroom scene, really. I mean, yep. even then I don't remember everybody that oh, and Dr. Hojo, I'm sorry. You don't really truly pay much attention to them they come in much later in the game at these various mm-hmm. points and then they play more of a point but i think that's just something that the game did really well is you have all these uh turks and these players in shinra and you really get a good feel of them all and the reason why reeve is so important is obviously like you said it's revealed that um kate sith is a robot controlled by kate sith or sorry by reeve and I think that the payoff is going to be so much more rewarding because I remember um, playing that the, in the original the first time. And I was like, huh? Uh, where, the, where the fuck did this twist come from? It just felt not it didn't feel deserved. It didn't feel like there's any lead into it. It just kind of felt like that you didn't see this coming, fuck face. And then just kind of threw it in I, there. Yeah. And, and I do hope they play the sacrifice better because that just plays as weird in the original yeah. game, um, including that whole, there's like a dialogue spiel that Kate Sith gives, which again, I think is supposed to leave credence to Kate Sith having at least some degree of AI where he says like, Hey, you know, after this is all over, even if another Kate Sith shows up, which, you know, it does immediately to fill the void in your party. Um, just know that like, it's not, it's part of me, but it's not really me. And there'll right. never be another right. me. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm making the sacrifice for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I just yeah. think they handle. No, I remember that part in the Shinra original in where better. Kate Sith gets replaced by Chadley. Uh, I can't wait for that to come up. And mm-hmm. Josh, I still stand by your theory that yeah. I felt more and more in as we go by <laughs> that Chadley is a Reeve robot. Yeah. No, I think he has to be another I'm Reeve just... robot. Um. Yeah. And kind of speaking, the scarves. Go ahead. I think the scarves are where he keeps the antennas. Like that's. <laughs> you ever notice that they all have strange scarves? Scarves that just, just stand cover. out more than they really should. Like, dude, it's not even cold. I don't even yeah. have sleeves on my outfit. Yeah, it's like a scarf with like a really big knot brooch looking thing. Yeah, Did anybody a- else think it was adorable when you find uh, Chadley in the Shinra building and he's wearing a lab coat? And I'm like, you playing dress up in your dad's clothes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I kind of did. But speaking of that, like side characters, uh, this is something that. There was some of that in the original, like Scotch and Koch in Wall Market, for example. But this game has a lot of characters, side characters, and some of them really land for me, and some of them really flop. Like, really fucking, really fucking flop. Like, Johnny, I was ambivalent ambivalent about. He was kind of funny, kind of annoying. Um, 
for example, and he's also like, not new. He was there in the original. Right, exactly. But he gets more screen time here. He was there. He's standing around. <laughs> he's not really yeah. anything but a dude dedicated. Yeah. No, the, like, it's interesting that they they wanted to flesh him out. It's, he's it's he's like I, one of the missable side quests, I think, in the original. That's like, how you get yeah. into the honeybee in in the original. Yeah, is oh, v- you know, via- like not not completely missable, but like like he doesn't stand out at all. He's just kind of. Yeah, yeah. You do have to right. talk to Johnny in the original to get inside the Honeybee Inn. Yeah, a lot of these characters yep. that didn't really stand out but existed, they tried to make stand out, and they introduced some new ones too. Like uh, some of the ones I liked. I know this is probably going to be a little divisive here, but I like the like the the crew at the uh, weight training gym. I loved them. They were all hilarious, and they got just the right amount of screen time. Um, I like the woman at the massage parlor. Uh, in wall market i thought she was a unique and funny character um i really the owner of uh honeybee Uh, the owner of honeybee that's the one i'm thinking of i can't remember his name oh yeah 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 yes he was awesome he's probably one of my favorites of like new additions he's awesome domino Mm -hmm. i guess they decided they didn't want to do squats in the remake you you do you do do squats squats in the remake I don't remember doing any squats. You definitely do squats. There's a whole trophy involving beating yep. the hardest challenge on squats. Yep. Is it is it mandatory? You have to do at least the bronze level for the story, yeah. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> in fact, Shay was literally <laughs> just talking remember. about the crew in the gym that you do squats with. I must have been falling yeah. asleep. Yep. Um, yeah, that guy, The um, he was awesome. Domino was awesome. Um, and then they just had some characters that really fell flat. Oh, sorry. And the the guy, the uh, doorman at uh, Don Corneo's mansion, I actually really liked that oh, little side Leslie. story. Oh, Leslie. Leslie. I liked it. I liked his story. Um, and then you had some ones that just what was really fell flat. Like uh, I've, ta- I've talked about how much I dislike Roach. I do not like that character at all. Um, I'm perplexed yeah. by Roach because what happens he, to Roach? We don't know. Where, where did, you don't know. Oh, he just shows. We never see him again. No. He might show up in a part two. Uh, if he doesn't, yeah. I'll be confused why he was ever a thing. Right. He, well, um, I mean, the only thing I can think is like I, maybe to get across that the soldier members are fucking insane, which is a thing. It's a thing that they don't really go into until Crisis Core when you realize, oh, these people are all nuts. Oh, um, what Genesis seems like a totally likable normal guy who doesn't kill people's entire families. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. I feel like he might right. have been there just to kind of get that feeling across if people hadn't played that. Because again, it's you know it's hard to get a hold of, of that game at this point. So like that's the I mean, as only as reason I can see him being there, sense. and it's I don't think it's even a very good reason. No, um, I don't either. And like some of the other ones too, just there needs to be some sense. payoff for them. Like the Angel of the Slums and her granddaughter. What a fucking lame side arc. What a fucking absolutely lame side arc. It was. This is like the most. It was so. The grandmother is great. The granddaughter, you're like, oh, they they couldn't just let the old lady have her own thing going on. There has to be a kid. Like that's to be a rambunctious child. Yeah, that's like all the other story bits were less like every. Oddly enough, everything leading forward to that point. Makes it seem like she's just being needlessly obtuse about, oh, she's obviously the angel of the slums. 
Like, it's just right. obvious. And then it turns out, oh, she's not. It's her stupid granddaughter who seems to, like, th- like, uh, yeah. Yeah, just the the pay, so, the, pay, the payoff uh, for it was just ass. Like, was, I agree yeah. with you. Up, up until the point that you find out what the payoff is, it was great. But the payoff soured me so mm-hmm. much on that little side story. Because it should have been and, the old lady, yeah. It well, should have been it, the old it, lady. It was so A, lame. it should have been the old lady. B... They never explain why she was just randomly spewing a bunch of Shinra propaganda for some re- like none of it makes sense. The granddaughter no, she is say just she got paid. She got insane. paid to. I don't it was think so they even bad. said that. Um, that no, she does. Didn't... She says she was paid to. It was so okay, bad like, it's... that they didn't even yeah. give the granddaughter good graphics like we talked about this on the chomp cast and we said a lot like a lot of the resources go into the pivotal moments the granddaughter was so worthless that her fucking face looked like it came straight out of, out of a ps2 game it was yeah. so bad and i don't understand yeah. like and this is a point to more like, and this again is the grandmother point. got the full treatment like, yeah she did she got the full treatment but her granddaughter and like, you do oh. see her a lot more well, yeah, but it's it's like if they're gonna put side stuff in, which I loved ninety to ninety five percent of it, I'd say probably closer to ninety five percent. Why would you throw that fucking garbage in there? Why that as, as a really capper good. to a really long side quest? I well, that's the interesting yeah. thing, Shay. About the, I um, I, the wall market is just handled strangely to me in both games. Are like, you it's serious? Such a strange... I love it. I think it's one of the best I, sections. I Same. I personally don't. I just don't get the appeal. Like it's the, it's not bad. It's just in both games it feels kind of meandery. Like in in the OG game, like out there last night, and you kind of you just sort of like wander around, and this guy's like, "Hey, go dress up as a girl," and then you go to the shop, and he's like, "Oh, my dad owns a shop, but he won't do this until you talk to him." And he's drinking in a bar, and you talk to him, and then you go here, and the, it's just like you kind of just wandering around. Um, and up to that point, the game has had, it felt like it had a little bit more of a direction to it, but I get why people like it. It's just kind of goofy and, and silly, but it's strange when you get to the mansion of the creepy guy and there's like this room and the game, it's, it's like, I've never seen a game in my life, like approach like that stuff in a lighthearted way, like with the music and the tone, (laughs) like in like sort of a, like a happy, like, uh, like let's just not pretend this is a horrible thing. Way I don't know if you guys looked around in that one room, like in that. Oh, one it's a, it's pretty much identical to the way it was in the original game. Yeah, yeah. There's all sorts of weird like it's torture a gear and rape gear just like hanging around, and then they just get in. They're like, "Oh, guys, oh, let's get." It's, I'm just like, "Dude, this room looks fucking horrifying." Well, like, they, what the they hell? know what kind of guy Don Corneo is. Like, I don't think they're shocked by any of it. Well, what I'm saying is they. I don't. I think this is something they probably wanted to maybe treat a little more seriously, but they're not going to make a, a really inappropriate game. Like Final Fantasy has always been kind of a hard PG-13 kind of a thing, um, which is probably for the best because I might not have been able to play it as a kid. But that whole – everything with Don Corny, I think why it doesn't work for me is that's all really like – horrifying and creepy but it's sort of portrayed in a goofy way like he's bouncing around shaking his crotch like hey 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 come over here and it's just it's very lighthearted. but like for me when i think about like infiltrating like this really creepy like 
torturing rapist guy. And at one point, he just gives you to his men. He's like, here you go, boys. You can have... And it's just like the tone of the game is just very lighthearted. And I don't think that's the right way to do it because that's pretty serious subject matter. Like, no, I don't um, disagree. But I think they were working with what the original had laid the groundwork for. And they did try and make it a little less like that where they could. But it, that's honestly, it's hard subject matter to handle. I, and they're kind of I just feel like that's, that's a... I feel like that's such a weird take to have because if you go back and watch a lot of children's movies that we've grown up on, they have those type of serious subjects, but they downplay it and make it silly. I mean, think about, for example, like Pocahontas, which is about basically <laughs> genocide of Native Americans, but they turned it into a the 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 wind. You know, like they made it very like I happy seen and Pocahontas, light. but I have seen Avatar. Will that be good enough? Sure. Um, yes. And like they make it like uh, take a very serious subject and make it lighthearted. And I feel like in a game like Final Fantasy, which has never been that grim and dark ever in its history, in its series, has ever been that dark, why that would suddenly be your criticism. Because that this whole series, from Final Fantasy 1 to this game right now, has been geared towards everybody, something for everybody. So I don't know why you would expect it to suddenly get serious in a remake fucking 30-plus years later, when that's never been about that. Well, they changed a lot. Like, for example, in... In the original game, uh, if that was true, um, it's just, like, odd to me that they went to the trouble of, like, rendering some of the things in there that are so... Because, like, if you have any sort of a, a brain, you're going to be like, oh, there's, like, weird torture devices in here. Yeah, but absolutely. I, I guess, yeah, but you would have said that uh, in the but, original as well. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, with the remake, I was, like... I thought it was interesting that they still decided to kind of go for that same... Because uh, you have the opportunity to make... To change things, to make things... You can really do whatever you want, considering they've changed a lot of other stuff in the game drastically. It's odd to me that that was something they decided to almost not change at all. Because so, well, I, it was just I, don't, weird. I don't know how you would change it or to what end. Exactly. Same. That and the things they've changed have all been related to the main characters. Like the things you don't encounter are ostensibly still there. You just don't encounter them because of different choices you made. For example, like the whole wall market scene, normally you have to go help out the dressmaker who's in a slump and whatnot, and this time you just kind of leave him moping in his beer in the uh, in the karaoke bar there um, and go off and find another way to get your dress. Um, like all the same... It seems like it's only you who has the ability or motivation to change anything um in the original it, other than that it seems like it's basically left more or less alone other than like we said the bits that they you know just flesh out more but but well, what about like the that slum area that they changed entirely to make with like the orphanage and stuff like that like they there's a lot of stuff i think well, that directly that affects change. Change. well that not that affects well, this, all three I mean, the, all the three of these you just don't in the rape dungeon. <laughs> None well, of that was honestly if changed. It was just new because you blow through it in the original. Because it's not a hub area. Like again, that all could have been there, but you never see it. It's not that you know. It oh, we we fully explored this an area and it just wasn't there. It was just like no time is spent and, there. 
on on top of that, like for me, I felt like what you're talking about, Morgan, the quote unquote rape dungeon, um, was like more harrowing in this one because I I don't know if you did this, but if you search around in Don Corneo's mansion, the first time you go in, um, actually no, I'm sorry, it might be the second time you go in. You go down to that area. It's the second time where you go down to that area where you came out of initially, and there's a guy in there screaming, asking for someone to help him. And you actually can't go in that dungeon. So this guy's screaming for someone to come get him out. Um, there, I actually clipped it, and it's on our on our Twitch. And I'm laughing about it, you but can, it's also kind of dark you can and harrowing. Let him back out. You can't. I never yeah, let him can. out. I couldn't get him back out. I tried to get him you out. Didn't, but, you just left him there. Um, no, that was that was Kotch or whatever his name is. I tried to the... get him out. Okay. <laughs> couldn't get him out. But oh no, I mean, poor guy. He's he's there forever in your game. Yeah, that's okay. But worst um, timeline. Mm. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we we're on different timelines. But like uh, to me, because I never ended up getting in there. Now now it's kind of spoiled for me. But <laughs> not a big deal. I mean, but like well, I didn't know I, what the hell was going okay. on in there, and I was like, what the fuck is happening to this person? So I'm I don't know. I just I think I get your point, Morgan. That. Like, for you, at face value, it's like, why did they change certain things, but they didn't change other things? But with this specifically, I just, I don't know. I don't see the big deal, and I don't really know what else they could have done with it. And that's... I I just don't like... Yeah, it just makes me a little uncomfortable with, like, I for what they could have done with it. I mean, I think there's just a lot of interesting ways you could approach it or, or change it if you wanted to. I don't feel like they were sort of uh, trapped into what they had in the... I mean, I guess I'd put it this way, like... It's hard for me to I'm I'm a grown adult, so I know what they're skirting around. So it's just what my mind is doing is just like having trouble like sort of processing that. Like I know I mean, I'm a grown adult says, and I'm fine with it. Well, I don't I just don't know if it's necessarily it's weird to me that so, so many people are, I guess. Um it's just kind of a weird thing that makes me I don't really I mean and I've never been yeah, like, I'm just curious because like or, it doesn't like I don't give it a second thought. Like, why they it's didn't change that like, was the least of my concerns. I I, 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 I think at the end of the that. day, Morgan, just... if you were to say it makes me feel uncomfortable, I didn't really understand or like that in the original. I don't understand why they kept it in the remake. I think it has negative implications and it kind of bothers me. That I can understand. That I can respect. And I'm not saying I don't respect your opinion. I'm just saying, like, if that's if that's what you're trying to say here, I totally get it. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'll in summation, I'll just say, I guess when people say that, like they thought that that portion of the game was handled really well, I would say, um, I feel like they, it's kind of an awkward thing that they stuck to. I I guess I don't see what's handled so well about that. Like if someone could explain to me how Don Corneo's that whole scene was handled really well, I would be interested to hear the explanation. I think particularly the cross-dressing stuff is the Don Corneo stuff in itself is handled about the same. Yeah, it's about yeah, the same. I, but like I never the really thought it. it was terrible in the first place. Yeah, the lead up to it was definitely better in this one, like I said, because they kind of cut out on the whole, you know, implying that, you know, all gay people are going to molest you in a hot tub, and that yeah. like a bunch of other just random creepy stuff that. Didn't really find have five much different of a place colognes and choose which one you want to spray on you. The yeah. sexy one. What are you stupid? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I yeah, yeah I just thought I agree. yeah, it's probably a personal like when it comes to like anything with like in particular like the way assault is portrayed and, and kidnapping and torture no, and stuff in that. games, it's just I I have issues with that. So if it's just tough for me. Like it just in the way it was portrayed. I know why they're doing it. It's because if you go if you go all the way with it in the serious way, then all of a sudden that scene has a very different tone in the course of what I, feels like a somewhat lighthearted JRPG romp, you know? I th- I think what makes it probably uncomfortable for you, uh, in part, is that I feel like, and that we can leave it pretty much at this because we still have some other things and we're definitely running over time here, um, is that a lot of this game has a lot of social commentary. Sometimes it's direct, sometimes it's the underpin- underpinning. And I think what the point here was, you have this guy who clearly abuses his power, but he still lives in the slums. He's not... Uh, like living on top of the plates he's not in the upper class he's like the best of the lower to middle class and this guy is clearly abusing his power and people know about it and people are either being quiet about it or are afraid to do anything about it because of the implications it holds for them and the people that they care about and i think that's why leslie um was actually brought into the equation was to further that along that social commentary and obviously that has a lot to say about life in general in the real world and i think that weirdly enough i think that's probably where your issues partially lie morgan not completely is that the portrayal of this while slightly fantastical because it is final fantasy is also incredibly incredibly realistic because of the the social commentary and in a game that largely prides itself on being fantastical being magical being all these things suddenly they have this super serious thing and it's very similar to how a lot of people and things uh how a lot of people would handle it is people you know like if you have someone in in a higher class i mean talk about the me too movement um you know people just keep hush hush about it because they're worried about the implications it holds for them or they're scared and that's that's a real thing that's a real real subject and i think that's I think that's fair to say why that would bother you because it, it when you think about the actual implications of that in terms of society, it, it is very bothersome. It is. Um, but also I try to just keep in mind that it's, it is a video game. So I do, I do understand. I do want to say that. And I don't think you're crazy for having those, a uh, uh, level of aversion to that particular sequence. I understand now. So, I just wanted to say that uh, in a very long-winded way, but um, and we're all enlightened now. Yeah, or we all feel dumber as a result. I don't know. Uh, moving on, um, let's let's go ahead and shift this along a little bit. Um, we, we there are still a lot of things we can talk about, but I'm going to try and like pare it down to the last few as we're getting a little bit short on time here. Um, one of the big things that I wanted to talk about that we did talk about a lot last week, but I wanted to make sure I readdress it this week is Hojo. Uh, the whole sequence, everything, the way Red 13 is introduced, the way Dr. Hojo is introduced. I just wanted to make sure if there are any, uh, thoughts left standing that you guys had an opportunity to talk about that because it's handled very, very differently in this one. Whereas Red 13 was kind of sicked on Aerith in the original and Hojo had these very, very like they're going to fornicate and 
reproduce together, like all these different things. Phonicate. That's right. In this one, it's handled very differently. In this one, it's kind of like you see Red just kind of hanging out, and then you're like, ah, let's free this guy. And then he kind of becomes a vessel for saying what Aerith kind of had inside of her, whether intentionally or genetically, whatever the case may be, as we still need to learn. But um, it was handled very, very differently. And I just wanted to say that I like it a lot better in this one because it, again, it felt abrupt in the original. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you on there. I think we mostly talked uh, like at least as much as I wanted to talk about that stuff uh, on part one. But yeah, they definitely handle Hojo a lot better in terms of uh, his introduction. Uh, you kind of get a little bit more time getting to know him, like turning Hojo's lab into like this multi-floor sort of dungeon. Uh, gave us a little bit more time with him. Like you said, I think Red is introduced more smartly yeah. and we get these sort of weird inquisitive looks. Uh, like I think that whole segment, and I talked about this in part one as well, where Hojo is sort of muttering to himself on the escalator about Sephiroth being in the building and like how he could spin that to his benefit. Like it just, his character's so much more interesting out the gate this time. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I I think it it ha- it holds small implications for the immediate, but um it's interesting what it leads to, which is uh another thing we talked about last week is the whole Barrett sequence. Um I get the purpose it served, but I did not like that sequence at all. I thought like like Morgan had stated Oh, the death sequence? Yeah. Here? Yeah. I thought they legitimately because they showed that Wedge was still alive. I legitimately thought it could go one way or the other that they were going to kill Barrett. Uh, because it is a it is a remake, but it is also somewhat of a reimagining. And so it the payoff for that was pretty ass too. And um Yeah. It I, all happens too quick. It does. It does. I get the point that they were trying to make with the whispers of keeping them on track with fate, and that aspect of it has payoff later on as you as you make way to the end. But that immediate payoff of Barrett dying, I just I didn't appreciate it. I didn't. I wasn't a fan of it. I actually very much agree with Morgan on this that it felt pretty hokey, like just them trying to get shock value. So I can agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah, I think it would have made way more sense at that point to have them, like, pull Sephiroth and Barrett apart so you get what's going on. Because, again, at this point, no one's explained... I mean, Red 13 explained what they're doing, but, again, you just met this guy. It's like, really? Like... I'm supposed He's to... a talking tiger. You just met him 20 minutes ago. Yeah, like, no. That point was just, oh, no, that's actually what they do. But of all the ways to get that across, it was kind of dumb. Um, Ham-fisted. Yeah. But, yeah, no. They needed something to show, oh, no, these things do bring things back to the way they're supposed to be. Like, everyone knows Barrett doesn't die right at the beginning. So they needed something that... Even if you have next to no familiarity with the series, you know Barrett doesn't die in it. Everyone knows it's 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 Aerith that gets killed by Sephiroth, not Barrett. So wait, like, what? So like that, that that bit. I'm just hearing is, this news for the first time to, just now. You know, 
be obvious to anyone with any familiarity with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's fair. It and just, yeah, it just, it just I felt think shoved it in. probably would have paid better to have you die at that point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a like, simple fix right there. Yeah, absolutely. Because the choice of Barrett seems so arbitrary. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah. Like, Severo's just like, oh, some guy's standing here. Stab! Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. But let's let's pivot. We're going to move on to the last two big sure. things I want to talk about. Um, I've kind of narrowed it down to the last two things I want us to talk about before we end this episode because we're getting down to the wire here. Uh, one of the big things is what the whispers culminate into, uh, where basically you're about to leave Midgar. You've escaped Shinra headquarters. Sephiroth meets you on the road, and basically he opens a portal to an alternate dimension where you end up fighting the all of the whispers and the whisper harbinger, and then Sephiroth absorbs the rest of them to become even more powerful, and then you fight a losing battle with Sephiroth, and then basically he says, join me, and we can defy fate, and you say, go fuck yourself, Sephiroth, and then he's like, well, you'll regret that, you have seven seconds to change your fate, and then flippity-scabbity-doo, and then you are back into the normal universe. Um, We will fuck in your car again. That's right, and obviously right now we we have no idea how that's going to play out we don't necessarily need to predict um unless you guys want to but for me it was when you leave midgar i honestly thought that's one of the strongest points in the game in the original not necessarily why you're leaving midgar but it's it's like okay well i've been in this really cramped quote-unquote cramped confined section of the game and suddenly the whole game opens up to you quote-unquote and it's such an like it's such an instrumental part of the game and it felt like that was really downplayed in some ways by dealing with Sephiroth at that point in time but Obviously, we can't know the payoff to that. So it's difficult. It's difficult to criticize because we don't know what's going to happen next. We only know what we felt in the moment. And it wasn't necessarily bad, but it wasn't my favorite part about the game either. I don't yeah, I know. How did you guys point. feel about it kinda that? Sucks a lot of the kind of sucks a lot of the mystery out of Sephiroth. Unless the next game starts off immediately with an open world, which is probably not going to. You're not going to get that sort of feeling of being set free into a larger place and how powerful that was in the original. I mean, for me, like, yeah, the, you know, the problems just stack up one after another. And that's kind of my problem with the whole thing. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think it's going to follow that similar trajectory. Like Morgan's even saying, I don't necessarily think it needs an open world. Um, I would posit that it's definitely not going to have one, uh, nor does the story necessitate it. Uh, it it was a weird moment just because it's such a, a, a difference from what's going on and it felt like all of this whisper stuff and everything kind of coming to a head. And in some ways, it was satisfying to have answers to some of that stuff, but also at the same time, it raises more questions than answers. Like the, the whispers being quote-unquote destroyed in this battle, like what does that mean for what the next chapter here is? 
Uh, right. Like, have have we successfully defied fate? Are the shackles kind of off? And can can we now going forward be truly surprised by the turns the story takes? Right, right. Josh, how did you feel about that? Um, I feel like the whisper stuff was fine. I don't. I don't really get the whole. And again, they've done nothing to explain, like anything about, you know, the whispers' origins or anything, or like why somehow in this version we're able to change fate at all. Like, there's nothing explaining that, and it seems strange that all of a sudden, you know, Sephiroth has somehow picked up on all this, um, and is actively trying to change fate, um, which, again, makes sense why he would immediately try to kill Barrett there. Seems strange that he'd just kind of let the whispers not, you know, let him change that. Like, it's, it's, it's weird. It's like, somehow he's this, you know all-powerful evil force but not really it's it's just bizarre like i I don't think sephiroth is used well in this game like just from start to finish like i don't i don't think he's handled as well no you as a player um you really in the original what was so amazing and we talked about this last episode is that you start to get a scope little by little about what is so menacing about this character, what this character is truly capable Mm -hmm. of. And especially when you go to calm and you live that flashback sequence and you actually get, and I think I thought this was a really cool moment in the original that you get to take control of cloud and Sephiroth in the flashback. And you just see the level of disparity between their skills. Like Cloud um is not even close to Sephiroth's level. Sephiroth just fucking decimates instantly. And it was so cool in a in a way for a game to do that, to basically give you control of the main antagonist when he wasn't an antagonist. He was kind of just a loose cannon just to give you a scope of that character's power. Yeah. I thought was a very, very, at the time was an extremely unique way of doing that. And then in this game, you don't really have a, a grasp of the scope of Sephiroth's power because it's like, okay, it seems like he's struggling to just do the most simplistic shit. Like basically like he's kind of toying with cloud and Shinra, but he kind of isn't. And then yeah, it's like, like he's almost it's, struggling with that, but then he can snap his fingers and make you go to an alternate universe, alternate dimension. Granted, he's absorbed yeah, the whisper's exactly. power at that like, point, but it's like I don't have the grasp of what this character is capable of anymore. Yeah, it's like the the one thing they yeah. handle better is actually getting across that Sephiroth is dead. That's like the only thing that they get across better in this one. Yes. But in the original, like you're fighting Shinra and having a hard time struggling through all this. And then like we were talking about how well the horror vibes came across in that, like even long before that calm section, seeing everyone you're struggling to fight, just be destroyed by this one guy you can't even catch up to. 
just kind of impactful. Yeah, yeah, it in a way a, they don't convey here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I have yeah. no idea. Like, granted, by the end, everyone tells you that Sephiroth is so evil that we have to stop everything we're doing and go stop him specifically. But the stakes are because someone told you that. In the uh, original, you see it for yourself that this is yes. clearly some... And, and that's the other thing that's strange is this fight happens, whereas at that point in the original game, the party wouldn't have lasted two seconds in a fight against Sephiroth. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I thought that was hilarious. Did you guys hilarious. feel like they gave you that... Did you guys feel like they gave you that la- that fight with Sephiroth because the last fight in this new story is going to be different and they wanted to at least give you that? Because that? it doesn't really make sense that you get that con- um, conflict with him, you know, because basically that's what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a variation of the last fight, um, and then they would do that again down the road. That doesn't really make sense. So well, they would, it seems like they were giving it to you now because they're not going to give it to you later. Well, I no, I mean, also knowing what... Sephiroth is as someone who's played the original like it's kind of easy to be like oh well you that was a different clone you thought yeah you could kill all the Sephiroths you want oh god um, <laughs> stop it stop it guys Wait, that's I know that's true. a real it, it is it's 100% know, true it's part of the original which is, narrative yeah, which is why he kills three in, in Advent Children <sighs> I don't yeah, like Huey to, Dewey and Louie yeah I just I don't understand why they would have given that fight with Sephiroth because it felt to me what yeah. would have been no, natural would have would have been like them killing the Whisper Harbinger, Sephiroth taking the power, which would have made him even more powerful. I have the scope of him now. He's this fucking malevolent motherfucker who just has all this more power. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, I'll see you guys down the road when you yeah. are able to catch up with me. That would have been so much better than making you fight him because at that point he's powered up. But then you're like, I'm yep. actually holding my own against him. How is that possible? Yeah, and then no, even you should not says... have fought Sephiroth in this game, period. No. Just full stop. And then he... um, Barrett makes a comment about it at the end where Cloud says we need to pursue Sephiroth or whatever, and Barrett says, didn't we kill him? And Cloud's like, no. Yeah. Like, Barrett did... Even Barrett didn't understand it. He's like us. <laughs> you know, Shay, uh, the, the, we've been talking about Final Fantasy VII for like... F- what four to five hours now with these extra podcasts before they they come to light and like today in the last show you know i've known you for a long time and it really sounds like one thing after another you're like i was disappointed with this i didn't like that this irritated me this that this that one thing after another it's it's interesting i think you're getting closer to team morgan here i, I can feel it uh, nice to try. i still think this is probably <laughs> close to contention for game of the year despite having all these minor things and the reason why these minor things exist minor. it's a good try though uh is because um <laughs> i think it was a bad try it, yeah i know i know um I was, the way he was expressing them they didn't sound minor that's all i was saying the, the big thing is that i still think at the end of the game it's or at the end of the day it's still a very strong game and these minor criticisms that we have are because we hold the original so in such high regard yeah yeah and so we see where the improvement could be but um let's move past that because there's no way we're gonna know what the hell is going on during that sequence this is the last thing i wanted to end on because i think it was probably the most interesting there's no way we're gonna know what happens in this last one (laughs) is that um that's a great game josh was talking about it last week that when you see all these flashes to these other universes and you see the other IPs in the flashbacks, you see Red 13 running with a tribe of other 
creatures that he is and that's from advent children you see the sequence no, that's from from, crisis that's from no, after, that's after from, the that's credits in the original of the original game yeah i thought that was no no you're right because they actually yeah. re-put it into advent children i apologize um they do have that in the opening sequence of advent children which is why i remember it um but you're right they have the sequence from crisis core which I've never played, so these guys are going to be able to talk about a little bit more eloquently than I am. But I just wanted to get my thoughts out there, and then you guys can obviously expand upon this, and then we can end, is that if anyone who's played the original knows that Zack has died, and basically Cloud has stolen his identity, um, Crisis Core kind of gave the origin of how that all happened. And as as well as Final Fantasy VII, but crisis core goes into more yeah. detail but anyways oh yeah the crisis core covers that and more and kind of comes to a climax at the the true events of the the Nibelheim yes. incident right yeah the true right. events yeah, exactly now, that's um remind this, me to come back to that whole calm flashback because uh, there's more well, context i'm gonna, to that I'm gonna well. throw it away to you guys and i'm gonna let you guys have at it what i what i wanted to say is that you guys were confused because you guys said that like oh maybe he's alive because he was supposed to die in the sequence that you see him like that area that's where he's supposed to die but obviously in the remake he gets up he him and cloud help each other and they start walking towards midgar now why would they do that i don't know now, you guys were theorizing, well, does that mean that Zack is still alive? I don't believe he's still alive. I believe at some point he's going Nor to do die. I. I, I believe he's going to die at some point, whether it's on the way to Midgar, he succumbs to his injuries, or uh, something happens within Midgar to where he's killed, or it might even be they make it dark enough. Maybe I could see this being the case where Cloud kills him. And then is... Well, you left out the bag. You left out the most important part. Well, the the bag. Well, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna throw it to you guys. So give me a second. I'm giving you my thoughts and opinions on this, and then I'm gonna let you guys have it. Um, I don't know. Like, who knows what's gonna happen? Like for me, I felt like it's either like we're gonna get some interesting story as to what's actually going on in the future, or it's gonna be another one of those shock value things like they did with Barrett, which I hope it's not that. But, um. The floor is your guys'. What do you guys think about this? No, Shay, I wanted your opinion. I wanted your opinion, Shay, on, on the bag, on the, the the snack bag, the chip bag. What was it, a chip bag? What are you saying? The uh, I don't actually remember that bag. What bag? Because I, like, I feel like it might change your opinion. Okay, so you know there was a the, – so there's a bag that floats by on the screen, uh, and it's slow motion intentionally. Um, am I the only person who knows about this? I have no idea what you're talking about. No, it, it was a the... really oddly done scene that I don't think has anything to do with anything, but, like, there's a bag of no, chips it, that it, just it... floats by the screen. And no, very there's artistically. a logo on the bag of chips. There's a, there's a logo on the bag. Okay, so this is what's going on. There's a logo on the bag of chips, and it's the same emblem that's in the uh, train sequence. It's like the avalanche. I'm trying to... F- it's like the little dog with the, uh, yeah. the helmet. Oh, that's and the avalanche different... symbol. Yeah, but, it's a different variation of that. It's a different no, dog. it's so the same dog. That is the Shinra propaganda dog, and that was a flashback, so it's a younger-looking version of the dog. That's like that's all they were getting across there. Like, this is yeah. farther back in time. Because that's not an avalanche symbol. Like, avalanche oh, spray paints him to point towards things. Yeah, it's that like, was... Shinra, 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 what's his mascot. name? Scout? Yeah, hold on. I think so. uh, let me... It's like... 
No, it's like, it's like Scout the Propaganda the Dog. But he was younger because no. this was a couple years ago. And oddly enough, no one's going to change a cartoon dog in a couple years. They say the same age for approximately 75 years. Not uh, in this world. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that's what they were trying to get across. Like, for people who have no idea what is going on who in Crisis Core, is. They're, they're trying to show you that, oh, that's the dog I recognize, but he's younger. Um to show that time had passed. Yeah, which again doesn't make sense because you're going to have the dog. That's not how And then 20 work. years later, you're going to have the teenage version of the dog as the reboot, you know, to appeal to the youngins. He's um, going to be on a surfboard. Yeah, exactly. They have to make him radical. Um, um, but yeah, no, that's what that's what they're trying to get across with that bag because they really, no, they, they, they focus on that as it's blowing by. Um, it was just it was just to give you a context of time for anybody who had no idea who Zach Fair was. Um, I'm going to go out there and say Zach's completely alive. Like, that was the point of the ending there. Before you go into that portal, Aerith is talking about how we're not saving the world or whatever else we're going in there. Like, what we're giving up is we're changing ourselves. I think that's the point. Like, you kind of took over his identity because he died there and... You thought maybe you could have done things differently. You could have maybe saved the place because, again, yeah. in that calm flashback where you're playing with Sephiroth, that was Zach in that flashback. But yeah, Cloud, Cloud is was there, thinking but... it was him the whole time, even in yeah. the flashback when you're going back through to play with it, yeah. which is also another reason why Sephiroth was probably as strong as he was in that because it's a flashback that even Cloud is misremembering when, he, when he's having it. So, yeah, of course, Sephiroth that, is going to look even more insanely strong. Um, all true. of that's also coming off uh, Cloud having been like, again, his memories are muddle. He was, again, it's weird in the original that Hojo doesn't seem to remember who Cloud is because Hojo kept Cloud prisoner for four years and exposed him to more Mako than any human had ever been exposed uh, to, which, um, like Josh said, I mean, I don't know what the hell they could do with Zack. Because we're looking at such a drastically different game of Zack's Alive. Like, what? H- how do you implement that? What are the repercussions of that? Uh, yeah, it's it's strange because at the end, if anything changed in the past, and it's fairly obvious things changed in the past, it seems like they changed in the past at the end of the first game, so even those characters aren't aware of what's changed in their own lives. But they're still going forward, like with the memories of the timeline they walked out of. Yes, and I think that's kind of going to be what's different. Like, their lives are different, and they're unaware of the changes currently. Okay. Well, like, that's, that's, and that that's be really what I'm seeing to go- as kind of what, what they were thinking with the whole, you know, that, you know, changing destiny, kind of rippling through time and showing that Crisis Core scene there. Right. I... So I just went to read what Morgan was talking about. That way I made sure he wasn't sitting on an island and us three thinking he's crazy. Um, Basically, that stamp on the bag is different. It is a little bit different. That was his name. I didn't didn't know that it was a little bit different. I didn't even notice that. I missed that the first time I played. And it is a little bit different. And... um, the implications of that would simply be that if that logo is a little bit different, that what we're seeing Zach alive. Cause if you guys remember um, the whispers were circling Shinra, even in that flashback that there could be, a, this could be an alternate timeline we're seeing and boom, that's exactly and it. That, yep. 
and that could be implications for like why why we saw the portal open in the first place like how how these other timelines come into play i have no idea but um there's certainly cause to believe that what we're seeing what we're witnessing with zach and cloud going to midgar is that this is an alternate timeline um and which is why that kind of has that phasing effect as they're crossing each other's paths as one party is going out of midgar one is coming into midgar and to me that that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about nomura saying that like things were going to largely stay to the original plot i even further don't believe that's to be true like if they're bringing in alternate timelines i don't see possibly why they would stick to the original plot that's one of the yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, Shay. That's one. Of, I, I'm surprised that I guess that's one of the nice things about like spoiling it from myself um, instead of like the way that I did was that I've heard so many interesting breakdowns of the alternate timeline thing, um, and I think that was one. Of, that was one of the reasons I was so like hor- I was like, no, don't do the par- parallel universe thing. Maybe that's why you guys were looking at me weird, like parallel universe. What are you talking about? But well, no, I knew what you were talking idea, about. Um. The general idea is that that is just existing and that this is just a different timeline, but that it could be a little bit of a disappointing implication if like what he's going to do with the other timeline is unknown at this point. And that's what people believe that that bag was trying to convey. Um, So I understand now. I Um, don't. I think people are really over reading into that because it is it's just. It like it's obvious because of the whole whispers thing. Like you don't need the fucking bag to get the different timeline thing across. Like that's what the whole whispers well, thing. That's why it's dumb. That's the whole point. <laughs> no. Well, Josh, I think you interpreted it differently. But I interpreted now that the only the way a sane person could is the thing. Like the whispers are obviously I, at that point no. saying, "Hey, look, you can change fate." So obviously, this is not the same timeline as the original. You don't need another. If you're still lost at that point, the bag no does absolutely you. nothing to get that across. Like, well, but we don't really know how that's going to perceive as far as like this timeline with Zach being alive. So that's that's the point. Like when you were explaining, you didn't feel like it was a different timeline. You just thought it was something that happened in the past. Um, and well, and that's why I think people are having fun. Well, it is something that happened that in the past. It's something that happened in the past. The bag was there regardless. Well, like. In, but in this re, in the re, in the correct reality, in the past, he's supposed to be dead. In this reality, this alternate reality, he survived. That's what he's implying with a completely different. Yeah, I don't think the, the bag, bag has nothing to do with that. it. Like the whispers were even there. The in that fact scene. that he's alive implies that it's a different reality. Yeah, no, I think no, the bag was like, just no, no, to no, place no, it in no. time. Because again, it's like a younger version of the dog. Like I think. No, I think that's what that's what you guys are missing. It's. The bag is signifying that in a different timeline. There that is the Zach artist that thought that the, the, the dog should be a little younger? Think, I think that Zach no, being that, alive no, that's way different. in the timeline it, no, implies it's that it's a different timeline because in the prime timeline, he's dead. But there are people like Josh that might have thought it was in the past and that it, he's alive it, But it somewhere. is in the past. 
No, like we've seen no, that. No, no, no. No. Like, and Josh is saying he thought maybe Zach could still be alive somewhere. That happened in the past. Maybe, maybe you know he was still alive in this world. But this is implying that no, he he's probably still dead. But in another timeline, why would changing something in this timeline world. affect a different timeline? Well, that's what people are having fun discussing, Josh. It's no, they're they can have fun discussing how the Earth is flat as well, but. There's no evidence to support right. either well, either Josh, thing. With, with the, I mean, with all due respect, Josh, you were the, you're the first person I heard to have the theory that you had, and maybe it's just because you you thought the dog was just a di- a younger version of the dog, but it's different. Yeah. Anyways, it's it promotes interesting discussion. It, it does. Yeah. That's. Does. At the end of the day, who fucking knows? We right? we won't know until part two's in our hands. I think. I think and that's a really good place to end on. That way you, you guys can all get to bed. Um, yes, please. I think, uh, the last thing I want to say is that, yeah, with a lot of what happened at the end, basically it's left the door wide open for any different ways they could take this game. Um, I don't know if they're going to stick largely to the plot like Nomura is saying or if they're going to explore different avenues and it's going to become much more than a remake. It's going to become a very very big reimagining but i'm along for the journey and i'm excited so here here yeah so anyways that's gonna do it it sounds like we know oh. hey i just i take a little comfort in knowing that we were all completely um had different thought takeaways on that ending so oh and i think that's i think that's kind of how it's supposed to be it's supposed to let it sit with you for a while and that's why when you had um granted jokingly uh, tried to make me choose between Ori and the Will of the Wisp and Final Fantasy VII Remake for what you think my game of the year was going to be, I was like, I need to sit on it for a while because like that ending still needs to sit with me. I still need to try and wrap my mind around that. Like where Ori's... Yeah, we're not even talking about Ori. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. This is about... No, I, I think you're right. I feel like the more people talk about this game, I think the more they're going to scratch their heads. Like, huh? I don't think that. That's not what I'm trying to say here. I, I'm not saying more people are going to scratch their heads. They're more. They're going to try and understand exactly what the ending was implying, like the implications there, and if that jives with them, if they're excited about it or not. Because like right now, I'm saying I'm excited to see where it goes next, especially if they're saying like all bets are off. If that's truly what they're doing. But maybe in a week or two or a month or two, I'm going to be like, you know, actually, I kind of wish it would stick more with the original. I got to see how that sits with me. So um, that's that's the difficult thing about remakes. And um, we'll see how it turns out. But anyways, let's get you guys out of here. Let's get everybody out of here. I want to say thank you to Rich, Josh, and Morgan for being here with me. I apologize for this uh, going <laughs> 40 minutes longer than I had initially planned. Um, but... I want to thank you guys for being here. I want to thank you to the listeners. Say thank you to the listeners. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for supporting us. I hope that you enjoyed this discussion. Uh, If you have any outstanding thoughts that we didn't address or ideas, um, send us an email at swordchomp at gmail.com or uh, whenever Morgan and I post about this on the social medias, uh, leave a comment below and Tell us, hey, you guys didn't address this. Um, you guys should have talked about this. Or like, hey, I think this is what the ending means. Just let us know. Um, it, 
definitely opens up for interesting conversation and uh that's something we may discuss on a future episode or in the Chomcast or something like that i don't i don't know the format we would discuss that but yeah if you want to open up the dialogue there for us to discuss further yeah just let us know but um anyways that's going to do it thank you so much to my three hosts thank you guys for listening and we will be back with the next episode which will probably be star wars or some other game i don't know but we will see you next time thank you very much take care and be well